0: This is a show for rarity seekers out there. This is a show for the people who crave those low population cards and stickers. A show for people who like to turn left when the market's starting to turn right. A show for people who don't want to be told who to buy because the fun is working it out for yourself. Now let's do this, cue top loader tapping. Welcome back to Pop One, or for new listeners, welcome for the first time. My name is Doug, and you can find me on Instagram as UK underscore BallerCards. Yeah, to those new listeners, welcome. To second-time listeners, thanks for showing the faith. Thanks for coming back. I will reward you with the best Pop One episode ever. I can guarantee that right now. Uh, Yeah, this is is an episode. I was going to do a David Beckham raving card episode spoiler that will be coming up next uh but instead i wanted to just riff and give my thoughts on the goat conversation so for those who don't know the acronym it's the greatest of all time and yeah the title of the show anyone out there who wants to start a podcast with a with a partner there's your name the men who stare at goats because i mean that basically describes a hobby so yeah if you want to steal that name go ahead if not i'm tempted just to Stop this podcast right here. Stop the show. Find a co-host. And yes, start a new two-person podcast, just to use that name. Right, my thoughts on the goat conversation. I'll get straight to it. I don't think there is a goat. I don't think there needs to be a goat. I don't think there should be a goat. And the reason for that is things like pitches. Pitches in the 60s compared to now. Training methods in the 60s compared to now. Nutrition, professionalism levels. I mean, it's basically a different sport. I mean, how can you how can you compare Pele to Messi or Ronaldo in the current day? I don't know. It's it's hard enough to compare between positions. You know, how can you compare a left back with a with a right winger, for example? How can you do that? A goalkeeper and a centre forward, centre mid, and an attacking mid. You know, it's just so many different roles you know some players sacrifice themselves more for a team you know they may what they may have won way more trophies than a player who's more revered so you know how does it work so yeah maybe in sports like let's say ice hockey i think you know i think most people agree that gretzky is the standout so yeah maybe there there can be a goat and yeah i mentioned pitches you know ice hockey rinks i assume have been pretty flat and regular or what's the word i want uh, consistent throughout the decades. Maybe not, I don't really know the history of ice hockey, that's why I'm talking about football. But yeah, football pitch is completely different. Um, like back in the day they didn't even, goalies didn't even wear gloves. Back in the day. It's just it's basically a different sport. So yeah what I'm gonna do instead is I'm gonna break it up into generations and give my opinion of the goats for every generation. Just for the sake of ease, i I'm gonna do it by decade. I'm going to start at the 1950s and work my way up to the modern day. I was actually going to do it the other way around, but I don't want to risk alienating half the audience in the very first minutes of the episode because yeah, I think things get quite tribal in the 2010s and I'm sure you know which two players I'm talking about. Um but yeah, regarding those two players, you know, for me it's like it's like LeBron versus Jordan. You you can prefer one and still recognize the other one as potentially being the second best player of all time. You know, that's that's hardly insulting, is it? You know, it's a huge compliment saying they might be the second greatest player who's ever kicked a ball. So yeah, I don't think it has to be that tribal. Uh but yeah, I'm gonna start the 1950s. The reason I'm not going earlier is because I genuinely don't research any earlier than that. I'm not that interested in football before then. So I'm not very well well educated. And yeah, I don't feel adequately prepared to do it justice. And yeah, also because of TV coverage. So yeah, the 50s was probably the last decade of very, very, very limited TV coverage. And you are sort of limited to stories, anecdotes, you know, written text, reading about achievements. But you don't really have those more sort of visceral images to really judge a player properly, I find. So yeah, I guess the 60s is... The first decade where, yeah, people got to actually see see these sort of superheroes of their time. So, right, 1950s, I'll go straight into it. Uh, Alfredo Di Stefano I've picked. So, Alfredo Di Stefano... And it's interesting when you get the GOAT conversation because a lot of people... Not base it on World Cups, but World Cups are such a big part of legacies. And Di Stefano has zero World Cup legacy. So, yeah, he famously played for several different countries. He played for Spain, he played for Argentina. I think he may have played for Chile. I'm just going to check that quickly. My mistake. It was Colombia the third country he played for. But yeah, partly because of injury, partly because of just politics and partly because of his uh country's not qualifying at the time. He has zero World Cup legacy. So he does actually ex- he does exist in a World Cup set of cards. He's in the 1962 Lampo or Vecchi uh World Cup cards. So this was a set just before Pianini started properly producing cards. This is an Italian set or the Vecchi, I'm maybe saying that wrong. Um, I think there may be a Brazilian set. But yeah, he is in that set of cards in his Spain. I want to say Spain shirt. Uh yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Spain at the time. So yeah, he does exist, but he never actually played in that World Cup which is a massive shame because, yeah, he's my player of the 50s. I think close runner-up would be Puskas, Ferenc Puskas, Uh, just absolute goal machine. And, yeah, I think one of the interesting things about these two as well is they both played for Real Madrid. So if you think about the two standout players of a decade both playing for the same team, when you really think about it, that's actually very rare. And yeah, it's no coincidence I think that Real Madrid absolutely dominated the the nineteen fifties, especially the second part of the decade. They won the last I think it's four or five Champions Leagues or European Cups as they were known before ninety two or whenever the cutoff point was. And yeah, I don't think it's any coincidence. So yeah, Alfredo Di Stefano, more of a midfielder than a forward, but still with a sort of goal a game forwards record. So yeah, and a little a little thing about him. He he didn't win the inaugural Ballon d'Or, which I think is from everything I can gather, honest obviously I'm um, you know, I'm early thirties, I haven't watched him, you know, I wasn't around back then, but from everything I can gather from research, it's 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 borderline scandalous that he didn't win the first Ballon d'Or. And yeah, it went to a forty-one year old Stanley Matthews. So yeah, Matthews is obviously famous for his longevity, but I'm sorry, a 41-year-old who didn't even win Player of the Year in England at that time, yet he's won the Ballon d'Or. So yeah, with that award, I think at best case scenario, that is a sentimental award, maybe to honour Matthews' sort of overall career, or at worst, something a bit more sinister, something more political, something more, I guess, yeah, borderline xenophobic against De Stefano, because yeah... At the time, he's in the middle of winning two European Cups back-to-back as clearly sort of a big part of driving those teams towards those titles, along with Puskas, along with some other players. It's not all about individual players. But yeah, meanwhile, scoring, if it was known as the La Liga back then, scoring about a goal a game in the league for Real Madrid as a midfielder. See, I don't know what else the guy has to do, but yeah. Long story short, he is my pick for the GOAT of the 1950s. And yeah, I think it's a real shame that there's no sort of proper TV coverage to watch of him. Because, yeah, I, 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 I estimate, I guess, that if he was exactly the same player in the 70s, let's say 20 years later, his legacy would be just so much stronger, so much more cemented. And yeah, it's just purely about TV coverage. Just last thing on the 50s, honourable mentions to Garincha and Didi. So yeah, the how would you describe them? I guess the, the midfield driving force of the victorious Brazilian 1958 World Cup team, Didi, and the, the wing wizard, the right wing wizard, Garincha, who's just just yeah wreaking havoc down the right, turning people inside out, twisting them inside out and just yeah, laying low crosses, uh, yeah, flashing low crosses across the six-yard box for people like Vava. And yeah, honourable mentions to them right on to the 1960s and yeah it's got to be Pele. so Pele, again talking about world cups the 1960s was a painful painful decade for him in terms of world cups he was he wasn't kicked out of uh, chile 62 but he pulled his hamstring in the i think it's the second game the start of the second game and in 66 he was just kicked out of the tournament And yeah, a little spoiler, you don't get kicked out of tournaments if you're anything other than a special player. We saw Neymar in 2014, Prism's favourite 2014 World Cup. Uh, Yeah, he was kicked out of that or need out of that. And yeah, that doesn't happen unless you're special and people are worried about you. Uh, Yeah, for example, no one's going to be kicking Tammy Abraham out of Qatar 2022, are they? So yeah, Pele, his glory moments in terms of World Cups were the... 58 and 70 and what i love about those two i shouldn't be talking about them this is about 1960s but i just love how different those world cups were for him just what a different player he was in each just this sort of teenage box of tricks in 58 who was literally doing skills against people that these europeans had never seen like the skill i think is it the final i think it's the final not the semi where he loops over someone's head takes it the other side, a sort of skill that Gaza did in Euro 96, for example. I don't know the name of it. It's called, like, the lollipop or something. (laughs) It can't be called the lollipop, but yeah. You know what I mean. Apparently, Europeans had never seen that. So imagine how difficult it is to read a player anyway, or to read a top player. Imagine, on top of that, he's doing some skill you've literally never seen. So yeah, like the first ever Cruyff turn. Imagine just how much that would bamboozle you. So yeah, Pele, 1960s. Uh, from everything I gather, if you hear interviews from ex-teammates like Jerison from the fam- most famous for the 1970 World Cup, but who played with him in the 60s as well, 62-63 was about his peak. I think most people recognise that as his peak. Um, but yeah, just you, you can actually go back and look at footage on YouTube now. You can see... You can see these sort of crazy games against Benfica who at the time in the early 60s were the sort of best team in Europe, potentially the best team in the world. And yeah, these Benfica Santos matches you just see Pelé sort of just exploding from midfield through the final third. And it's it's like a force of nature. But yeah, it's, it's the closest thing I've seen to Brazilian Ronaldo when he burst on the scene at Barcelona and I guess PSV a bit before that. But yeah, it's the closest thing I've seen to that. And like Ronaldo, I don't want to reduce Pele to just that sort of explosive physical nature of his game. He also had just the deafness of mind, deafness of finish to then just spot those openings and, yeah, apply the finishing touch. So, yeah, go on YouTube. This footage is available. And Pele is pro- he's probably the first player who who broke out of this sort of non-televised era. He's the first sort of crossover player, I guess you'd call him. And yeah, I don't think it's a very controversial choice. Right, honourable mentions, I guess, garincha again. So garincha in 1962, after Pele limped out, which I think is a massive shame. I'd love to have known how many goals Pele would have scored in that World Cup campaign. And when you consider it's probably his peak, and then you look how well he did in 58 and 70, although 70 was more of a playmaker when his sort of legs were sort of not as, not as, what's the word, not as fresh, not as explosive as they used to be. But yeah, I reckon he could have got up to six, seven, eight, nine, ten goals. Like, if you consider that was his actual peak, you know, who knows what he could have done. But yeah, Garincha just completely took over the mantle of sort of the team talisman. And yeah, from everything I've read, Potentially the second best World Cup campaign in history after Maradona's '86 World Cup in Mexico. So yeah, Garincha scored a brace against England in the quarters, I want to say. Potentially the semis. He got a brace in whether it was the semis, it was the quarters. Or the, if it was the quarters, the semis. Anyway, he got back-to-back braces. Then in the final, he probably should have been suspended. He somehow got sent off in the semi but was allowed to play in the final bit more of a subdued performance. But yeah, he was still the st- clear standout star of that tournament. So yeah, special honourable mention to him again. uh Who else? Bobby Charlton. See, so yeah, Ballon d'Ors. Ballon d'Ors, when you talk about them, you need to remember that uh before 1995, it was a Europeans only award. So yeah, whilst I like to mention Bobby Charlton did win the Ballon d'Or in 1966, the year England won the World Cup, You do have to caveat that with the fact it was a European zone award. So maybe he would have won it anyway. I think Beckenbauer, when interviewed, suggested he was the best player in the world at that time. But you don't know that for sure. So yeah, just a little caveat. You know, people saying, people like Maradona have never won a Ballon d'Or. Well, he couldn't have won a Ballon d'Or and he 100% would have won multiple Ballon d'Ors if it was possible. So yeah, a little shout out for Bobby Charlton, the mid-60s, I guess. Uh 68, that was when he won the Champions League or the European Cup with Man United. Sort of another famous final against Benfica. Benfica will get a lot of mentions here. Uh, and talking to Benfica, it's a nice segue to Eusebio. So a yeah, man. Legacy maybe slightly artificially enhanced by the amount of penalties he scored in 66. So I do like to look at penalty context because unfortunately penalties do kind of ruin a lot of goal records. When you look at serial last season with Immobile and Ronaldo, I think you've got to, you've got to look at the context behind some of those. But no, uh, Eusebio again just a just a force of nature, I guess. Uh but yeah, if we're talking about also the difficult thing with GOAT conversations is you know, it is What's the word I'm looking for? What's the word? Oh, my God. I'm going to stop and find out this word. And, and when I come back, you'll realize it's a stupidly simple word that I've forgotten. Boom. Longevity. So, yeah, is longevity a factor? For example, if longevity isn't a factor, then Garincha's peak, George Best's peak. So he's another honorable mention for this decade. You know, for two or three years, these guys were, you know, potentially in the mix. You know, I, I, obviously, it's more of a it's not a decade I li- I lived through, but from everything you see, these guys were these were special players. So yeah, should longevity be a factor? It's hard to say. But yeah, it, talking about the current day of Messi and Ronaldo, I mean, it, it's probably should be factored in for them. Just the amount the amount of incredible seasons they've sustained. Yeah, you could argue it should be a factor but again everyone will have their own interpretations but yeah if you if you take purely that that player's peak then yeah George Best, Garincha, I'll mention him later but Ronaldinho's sort of mid mid 2000s were just insane. Kaká Kaká around 2007 probably. Uh, basically when he was at AC Milan under Ancelotti. And yeah speaking of which I recently saw a little interview of Ancelotti where he was picking his He was picking his all-time best 11 of players he'd managed. And he was left with sort of a tip of the diamond spot. And he just, without hesitation, picked Kaka over Zidane. So again, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with that or disagree with that. But yeah, I think that says a lot when you think how revered and how just clearly good Zidane was that he just went, boom, Kaka's in my team, I don't care. So yeah, for for that absolute peak of his career... Again, it's all about longevity, do you factor that in? I don't know. Me personally, I think if you have two two or three years, that's potentially enough. You know, maybe partying got in the way, alcohol got in the way, George Best and Gorincha, and Ronaldinho, but yeah, I don't know the answer. Again, don't need to have an answer, it's everyone's interpretation. Right, on to the 1970s, so here I have gone for Johan Cruyff, um Cruyff Cruyff, however you want to pronounce it it's got to be Johan Cruyff I say it's got to be Franz Beckenbauer would be my sort of close close runner-up but the reason I've gone for I think it just has to be the Dutchman is I'll just say Dutchman I don't have to say his surname then it's just that extra magic factor so I think this magic factor is a big deal in the hobby it might not mean you are deservedly a better player but that extra sort of x factor that magic factor I think it makes you a bit more iconic maybe it's maybe it's a bit about personality as well but yeah I think I'm not going to call Beckenbauer robotic it's a bit of a national stereotype with German I don't want to go into that but yeah I think I, I don't think anyone would throw me any hate in the comments incidentally if you do want to comment on this just go in the just go on my Instagram post for the episode, and yeah, tell me if there's anyone you think I've scandalously left out. But yeah, any feedback throw it in there, because uh, yeah, for now I'm probably not going to put them on YouTube. Audio is good enough for me at the moment. We'll see what happens. But yeah, Beckenbauer. I mean, Beckenbauer. The fact he was sort of regarded as world class in in different positions in defence and in midfield. I mean, that says a lot about any player in terms of just, I guess, the brain, but also just Seeing footage of him in—I shouldn't talk about him in the '60s. Now I'm talking about the '70s. But seeing footage of him in the '66 World Cup, just just breaking from midfield and just scoring these goals that he just made look far far too easy, considering he's playing on the sort of elite stage at that point. But no, in the '70s he was just Ballon d'Or, Ballon d'Or, Ballon d'Or. Again, it was a European only award, but you know he's still up against Cruyff at, at, at that time. But yeah, Cruyff, it's all about the magic factor. And a player I will use to better illustrate that magic factor is the player I probably have as an honourable mention third place for the 70s, and that is Gerd Müller. So yeah, Gerd Müller, just sort of the ultimate goal machine, I guess. And he doesn't necessarily gather high prices in the hobby. There's not a lot of love for him out there, which he arguably deserves. If if you just judge him by sheer numbers, it is... It's absurd, like in the 70s, to have a better than a goal a game record for your international team is just yeah, that's that, that's pretty incredible. And it's not like he just had 10 caps and got 12 goals. This is sort of 70, 80, 80 caps, say 80 goals. But yeah, the reason, I, the thing I want to talk about with him is is the reason he's undervalued because he was just sort of just about the goals. I know goals are obviously a massive part of football, but was he just was he just a poacher? You know, was he just this sort of guy that could just adapt to any cross or any situation in the box and find a way to score? You know, did he do did he do enough outside of the area to really capture the imaginations of sort of fans and people? Now, I would argue not. And to bring that to the to the modern day, is Haaland going to be that player? So this is my only doubt about Haaland and the hobby in the moment, because obviously there's there's not much else to be sort of down on him about. He's just looking insane. But yeah, is he going to be, you know, is Gerd Müller a warning for Haaland? Is he, is he just going to be that guy who scores an insane amount of goals, but doesn't necessarily have any of these sort of magic, iconic moments we can look back on in 20 years and go like, just moments that make you go, wow, moments that make you sort of think, Not just sort of appreciate it, but just think you genuinely don't know how he did that. You don't know how how he's pulled off what he's done, how he's even thought about doing it. But yeah, that's my only doubt about Haaland. And yeah, I guess, yeah, linking him to Gerd Muller. Again, let me know. I wasn't around in the 70s, but from what I've seen, Gerd Muller was the ultimate poacher extraordinaire. You know, sort of more of the... More Jimmy Greaves than... I don't know who's the opposite, Dennis Bergkamp or Eric Cantona, sort of a more deep sort of assister instead of just the ruthless sort of goal machine. So yeah, let me know about that. But yeah, they are my three for the 1970s with Johan Cruyff, the one who's standing out as the top, the goat of the 70s. Right, 1980s, a bit of an unfortunate decade if we're talking topically because yeah, we lost lost the star man of the 86 World Cup. And then we lost the Starman at the 82 World Cup. And yeah, talking about World Cups, they can... What I'd say here is I don't think they should make a legacy. I think they should cement it, which it definitely did with Maradona Maradona in 86. I mentioned earlier of Garincha. I think Maradona's 86 is the greatest World Cup campaign of all time for an individual player. Obviously, it's a, t- it's a team sport, but his individual performance was just... It's insane, in, in, in pretty much every game, you know, didn't didn't just do it in the group stage, or just turn up for just the quarter final against England. He did it, did it against Belgium the next round. He did it in the final. He, I think he played the crucial pass for. It wasn't Kempers. That was that was another one. But yeah, whoever scored in the final, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it was Maradona's pass over the top. So yeah, it, it's it's got to be Maradona. as the man of the '80s. And yeah, at the other end of that, another rest in peace to Paolo Rossi. Oh, if you look at Rossi, again, I don't know for sure, it's only from what I've gathered, I'm not sure he was up to too much either side of the 82 World Cup. Again, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I gather, his entire legacy is pretty much based on that World Cup. And yeah, it's not a bad one thing to have a victorious World Cup campaign where you're the star man, top scorer, etc., etc. But yeah, I'll just say be careful with World Cups. Sometimes, you know, for example, is Paolo Rossi a better player than Messi because he's won the World Cup? Is he is he a better player than Cristiano Ronaldo? You know, obviously no one's saying he is, but you know maybe he's, he's maybe he's a bit overrated. Put it that way. I mean, not very good timing for me to make this point, but yeah. I think it, I think it's a fair point to make. Yeah, Maradona's my pick. There's no, there's no point going into detail about him. Even if you didn't know about him, you know about him now just from all these sort of amazing tributes that have flooded out in the last month or so. But yeah, the way I, I would summarise him was it, was it was like the ball was just an extension of his body. And I mentioned pitches earlier. To score the goal he did against England, the dribble, not the handball, but to do that, to do that on that pitch... If you watch the goal in slow motion, like the ball, I don't know how he's kept it under control, how he's kept full control of that ball, not just on a pitch that bumpy, just the speed he's moving at as well is just this incredible. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be him. He does Maradona a disservice to just say that dribbling was his game? Just the way he could dink these passes, arc these passes over the top. Yeah, free kicks. I think I think Zola credits Maradona for his free kick ability. Just sort of when they sort of crossed over at Napoli. End of late 80s, early sort of turn of the 90s. Yeah, I mean, what what an honour. What an amazing thing for a young player to get to practice free kicks at Maradona. And again, right, honourable mentions for the 80s. One of them I think has to be Zico. He's not a player you necessarily hear a lot of in the hobby. Because, yeah, like Pele, he was pretty much his whole career back in Brazil in the Campeonato, Serie A, state championships, whatever you want to call it. Copa Libertadores as well. Uh, I don't know if Copa Sudamericana was back then, the Europa League equivalent. Uh, but, yeah, Zico, just, just look at his, I don't want to say just look at his stats and his achievements, but just, yeah, just look what he's done. I mean... David Beckham's getting a lot of hype in the hobby right now, and Zico, you could argue, was maybe the greatest free kick taker of all time. See, I think I think there's a stat, there's a stat on his Wikipedia page of claiming he scored more than a hundred free kicks. I think I don't know how how reliable that is, but yeah, I think you've seen it. And just another thing you see with him is when he finally did come to Europe in his thirties. Just look what he did in one season, in his first season in Syria in his thirties pretty much a goal a game for a for a midfielder. And yeah, in his 30s. So imagine how good he was sort of 28, 27. Just yeah, from everything I gather, just an amazing player as well. And I guess I also need to give a mention to Michel Platini, another one who's racking up the Ballon d'Ors. Maybe a bit of a sickly character now we've seen him in FIFA, but I think you've got to respect what he did on the pitch. But yeah. Neither of them, I think, can be too disappointed about not getting the nod over Diego Maradona. Right into the nineties, I think, nineties and the naughties, two thousands, whatever you want to call the decade. I think I found the most difficult because I think there's there's no obvious standout, but there's a lot of candidates, and yeah, in a good way too. A lot of my favourite players. This is more my era. I've lived, you know, I've lived and experienced these players, sort of. Just like more of a, yeah, more of a visceral attachment to them. I've seen them. I've sort of, ex- I felt that sort of hype around them. I've witnessed it. And yeah, I think the player I've gone for the 90s is a big reason why I'm in this hobby because it gives me an excuse to collect his stuff. And I don't think anyone will hate me too much for saying uh, Brazilian Ronaldo. I'm going to call him the, the Fat Ronaldo, but spelt with a P-H. So yeah, the Fat Ronaldo... Just for his for his spell from, let's say ninety six to ninety nine was just it was sort of yeah it was otherworldly it was it was goat it was goat goat caliber so yeah he's my pick for the nineties and just for anyone maybe anyone who's a bit younger I know there's a lot of really good people on Instagram who are a bit younger who didn't maybe don't, weren't alive in the nineties or just were too young but it, it's hard to explain to describe just the thrill of living through Ronaldo's early years. So, yeah, I want to do a dedicated episode on him, so I don't want to go into too much detail here, but just to live through those sort of years where you sort of, not you discovered him, but you when he burst onto the scene as a relatively unknown player to a lot of us, you know, TV coverage wasn't amazing back then, you know, no one's shown Era apart from maybe the Netherlands back then, so yeah, when he burst onto the scene as Barcelona, it was, it was yeah, it was intoxicating. It was just one. Of, it's, it's again, I don't want to say he's better than Messi, but it's probably the most thrilling experience I've had. And maybe part of that is the age factor. You know, I was a kid back then. I'm an adult now, but it's just hard to describe. Like just the aura the guy had before he got sort of that first big injury at Inter Milan. But just the boots, his World Cup '98 boots, like. So I, I'm a. Well, I used to be a big athletics fan. It was coming off the back of the Atlanta Olympics when Michael Johnson had his golden spikes, and again, just the aura attached to him with those golden spikes. The aura attached to Ronaldo with those R9 Nike boots, just incredible. And yeah, both both those both those characters. What am I talking about? Both those athletes, both those sportsmen both those GOAT candidates in their own fields were it's the fact they lived up to that hype as well they sort of filled the boots filled the spikes and yeah it just it just put him on a pedestal and the fact he was up to that challenge was just incredible so yeah just I would say he was simultaneously the quickest and the most skillful player so just imagine that combination of factors and for people who people who didn't live through it or a bit fuzzy when it comes to Ronaldo two clips I would recommend just to get a great sort of snapshot or summary of of his talents I'd say check out his check out his hat-trick goal against uh, Valencia in his Barcelona season just where just the commentary the commentary is amazing because it says exactly what happens like these two Valencia players almost build a wall to stop him and he just explodes through it he has like these defenders have like a five-yard head start over ten yards, and he just he just gets to the ball first, slots it in the corner. Just what a player! And the other clip I'd say go and find on YouTube is when he was at Inter, so sort of ninety-seven to two thousand and two. But this was a this was his first season. The UEFA Cup final, uh, form not formally. It's now the Europa Cup final. It used to be known as the UEFA Cup final. Just watch just watch a compilation of his skills in that match. There's this there's all these skills he doing on he's doing on the touchline against against really good players, you know. We're talking about he, he made Alessandro Nesta look like Brian Shawcross, for God's sake. Like just these incredible skills. I've never I've never seen done. I think we saw we've since seen it with Ronaldinho, that elastico flip flap, whatever you want to call it. I think they call it like the snake in some countries, which I think is a much cooler name, sort of more Hispanic countries. Uh, But yeah, to do that at the speed he did it, the control he did it with, it was just insane. So yeah, at that time, maybe the most powerful player and the most skillful player I'd ever seen. So just combine those two things together. And I I need to stop talking about Ronaldo now because it's going to be difficult to explain the semi to the other half. Uh, But yeah, right, Joel Linton, Joel Linton, Joel Linton. Right, cool. We're back under control. Uh, Yeah, honourable mentions. There's a lot in the 90s. I think the icon factor is something that maybe needs to be thrown into goat conversation. So Roberto Baggio, I think he was a perfect blend of, for one point in time, potentially being the best player in the world. Sort of early 90s, turn of the 90s. I think he scored that dribble, that solo goal in Italia 90. Then he actually won the Ballon d'Or, I think, in 93. Again, this is just before the point where South Americans were allowed into the mix or Africans in the case of George Weyer. But yeah, him, Romario, Stoichkov, all your favourites from World Cup 94. I'm not going to include Brolin, sorry Bertel, but yeah, amazing players. And in terms of icon factors, I'd say Dennis Bergkamp and Cantona as well. Okay, maybe you think they don't belong in this conversation, but if you think about their impacts on Man United and Arsenal, respectively, just sort of what Cantona did to sort of, to just, yeah, he was like the catalyst of Man United becoming a global force in the 90s. It was not all down to him, obviously, but he, he was such a key player in doing it. And just, yeah, what a, what a cool, unique character as well. And yeah, Dennis Bergkamp just just for producing some of the most unique moments I've ever seen. He scored goals I've still I've still never seen since I've never seen before. That goal against Newcastle, that what he did to Nikos Dabizas. Some people think he didn't mean it, but all I'd say there is if you can't work it out, it doesn't mean that a genius couldn't. And yeah, just unique moments. And yeah, if he doesn't belong in the actual conversation, Ronaldo is the winner, and he's just below the honorable mentions. But yeah, just for doing those unique things. Thank you, Dennis Bergkamp. Uh, Yeah, another one, I guess, Michael Laudrop. He's a player who's a bit before my time, so I don't really know him. You know, I've had to research him. I haven't just been able to just go on my actual thoughts and things I've seen. But if he was over the hill in World Cup 98, I mean, some of his performances in that World Cup, sort of the first World Cup I watched properly, I did catch bits in 94, but it's, you know, I'll be honest I didn't really know what was going on too well uh, I was more interested in when Turtles was on that weekend or that day or that afternoon uh, but yeah if, if if 98 was well past his peak he was one hell of a player and you, you, re, you read things about how the title in La Liga in the early 90s would just flip between whichever if he was at Barcelona they'd win the title if you moved to Real Madrid they'd win the title Now, whether that you can attribute each to him, you know, maybe it's just coincidence. You know, is there a cause and effect there? But no, I don't, I maybe don't think it's that coincidental that happened. So yeah, he's my last honourable mention of the 90s. And yeah, before I get too carried away of Ronaldo, oh, don't know what happened there. Almost swallowed and choked. Uh, (laughs) Right, let's move on to the 2000s. Right, this for me was the toughest decade to decide who the standout goat was. I mean, you could argue you could put Messi in the mix, you could put Cristiano Ronaldo in the mix. You got Brazilian Ronaldo at the start, but I'd say it was after his prime. So the fact he did win a World Player of the Year in Ballon d'Or after his prime just sort of speaks volumes about him. Joel Linton, Joel Linton, Joel Linton, right, we're back again. Uh, But yeah, who'd you go for? I mean, Ronaldinho between... Sort of two thousand four, two thousand six. That's that's one of the best players I've ever seen personally. Just again, just doing things you've never seen before, never really seen since. Uh, just just the perfect combination of flair and productivity. You know, talking about football, just what makes you enjoy watching football. Enjoy now collecting cards. It's it's things Ronaldinho did. You know, chest and bicycle kicks. Again, another free kick specialist. There's that famous goal he scored where he, I can't remember how he beat the players, but then he just sort of dips it over the keeper, off the bar, and in. they've got this amazing camera angle just sort of following following him from his own half. But yeah, for those, in terms of short-lived primes, I mean, I could easily give it to Ronaldinho. Kaka, I've mentioned before, around 2007, another incredible short-lived prime, which a lot of people say Real Madrid ruined him or his was a terrible move on his part. I think I think it's completely irrelevant. I think I think it's purely down to injury what happened to him. Back problems, I think hip problems maybe. But yeah, he had some issues and yeah, it was his career went downhill quite quickly, but I think it's purely it's purely a physical thing, purely injury based. Uh you've got Zidane. I haven't even mentioned Zidane. See, I'd say I'd say Euro 2000 was probably Zidane's best tournament. Just my favourite one to watch in him. I think his World Cup 98, apart from the final where he scored a couple of... It wasn't... I'm not going to say it wasn't all that, but it's, it wasn't too much to write home about. Whereas Euro 2000, he was just... He was he was majestic. He was majestic. So yeah, Zidane's in the mix. Obviously, he then went to Real Madrid in the middle part of this decade. Some amazing things. I think Zidane, he's maybe over elevated because of iconic moments, but you've got to factor that in as well. Because iconic moments in finals of major tournaments, you think about his his left foot volley in the Champions League final against Leverkusen. I mean, he's he's got to be in the mix. You can't you can't say yeah maybe he doesn't have f- full seasons filled with moments, but it it doesn't matter if you turn up in the big moments. So, yeah, I think he's gotta be in there. If I mention Eto, I think eto and Henri I think they Henri does get the love in the hobby. I think some may still argue not enough, but I think he's one of the best players never to win a ballon d'Or. If you think of his time at Arsenal around the invincibles era he was he was incredible, like he was one of the most sort of just the perfect blend of elegance and destructiveness it just. He was he was almost the perfect player. I'd put it that way for yeah, in this period, Eto, I think, is a weirdly forgotten player. I think one of the best strikers sort of since Ronaldo. I'd argue he is the best. I'd argue maybe the best centre forward since Brazilian Ronaldo. Again, let me know in the comments if you think that's a ridiculous statement. Be I, I don't think he gets enough love. I've seen polls recently with him versus Drogba for who's the best African striker of all. T- Not of all time, but who's the best out of those two? And I think, I think that's not a fair fight. And I'm saying that as someone who loves Drogba. Again, I talked about Zidane and clutch moments. Drogba was sort of one of these clutch big game strikers. But yeah, Etta all day for me. And yeah, maybe maybe doesn't get enough love in the hobby. What do you think? Uh, But yeah, who am I going to pick? I am going to pick. It's a bit of a spoiler. I'm going to pick Cristiano Ronaldo sort of his last few years at Man United, just for just for excitement factor as well, just sort of, you know, I think was I, yeah, I was back living in England at that point and just to see him sort of week in, week out doing some of the things he was doing, that free kick at Portsmouth with his kaboom-like celebration, just, yeah, then he moved on, I th- didn't quite move to Real Madrid, but he just became this, he just developed from this winger, I was going to say from a diving winger, that was his very first sort of teenage year at Man United. He was a bit of a frustrating, probably a diver at that point, but no, then he developed from this sort of trickster on the wing who would just get chalk on his boots to just this, just this goal machine. And yeah, we've seen since he's taken that, taken that up another level at Real Madrid. And yeah, now at Juventus, he's, he's basically a center forward. He's sort of the funny thing with him is one thing I don't want him that much because he's, he sort of streamlined his game so much but, you know, he's just sort of a goal scorer now. But the thing is, you, you, you can't accuse him of not having anything else in his game and that's why he is just this sort of goal machine this sort of poacher because he does have that in his locker. He just doesn't choose to use it. He just yeah leaves he just leaves uh, that energy, just leaves those skills behind and just, yeah, is a more efficient sort of Penalty box penalty box player now. You know, you don't see as many of the step overs and yeah, I do miss those a bit. But how can you argue with his gold record and what he's won in these later years? So, yeah, I'm going to put Cristiano Ronaldo as my man of the noughties with honourable mentions to Messi, Ronaldinho and Kaka. And, you know, I want to mention Rivaldo once. I think Rivaldo, the fact I've divided these by decades, I think he's a bit of a victim of that because... You could say his peak was probably about 98 to 02 so I've sort of chopped him in half a bit not literally thank God but yeah his his peak was amazing See, so yeah, I'd, I'd mention him sort of on a par with Ronaldinho and Kaka his countrymen but yeah I just wanted to give him a shout out basically he's not he's not up in the goat conversation here but he, he's one of my personal goats right 2010s, the final decade. You've made it this far. Well, hopefully you've made it this far. Thank you if you have. I like to think this, or myself, this pod, I like to think this is like a young, unproven rookie. And hopefully you've seen just enough hope to stick with me. Give me one more week. Give my card another week. Because, yeah, a rookie that hasn't really done anything, but maybe you see something in it. So, yeah, thanks for sticking about till now. 2010s, which we are... ...a week away from finishing now, the decade. Are oh, we, wait? No, we're not. We're a year and a week away from finishing a decade. Uh, but I'm going to pick Messi. And for me, I know that's going to rattle a lot of people. I know I talked about tribalism in the hobby, not just in the hobby, and football. I think one thing that frustrates me is you've got to sort of shit on the other one to elevate the other. You know, you've got a favourite. Some people don't have a favourite, which I respect... But for me, the way I'd word it, for me why it's a really easy decision why Messi is my GOAT this decade, potentially of all time, I don't know, but just because, yeah, I can't compare players who I've lived through and players I haven't lived through. But yeah, Messi is my personal GOAT and definitely the GOAT of this decade. And the way I'd describe why is because I think he's potentially the best passer I've ever seen, as well as being like arguably the best goalscorer of all time. So, yeah, put those two things together, and I think it's for me at least it's a it's an easy choice. I must admit that some of that is because I prefer him. I prefer his style of play. I think he's got a bit more magic about him than Ronaldo. I think a way a lot of people sort of simplify it in their minds on let's say podcasts or articles is Messi's the more naturally talented Ronaldo's the more sort of not not a better athlete, but he's he's worked on it more. And yeah, obviously you respect that, you respect the hustle. But yeah, for me, Messi, I've talked about the magic factor before and I think he's just got that extra magic factor. I think I'm I'm personally a massive admirer of passers and playmakers and I think he's, if he scored five goals a season, I still think I'd put him in this goat conversation as sort of one of the best number 10s of all time. So yeah, the fact he's also scoring a goal a game for what, like 10, 15 years now, it's just what can you say and yeah what does he not have he doesn't have a world cup but yeah he's got one probably one last chance at that although given his skill set it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if he was a centre mid in 2026 in USA i think he might just go deeper down the pitch and just use his incredible technique that passing i've talked about <laughs> god knows how he's going to get box to box but with those little legs maybe have another visit from his childhood uh his childhood dealer shall I just say his growth hormone dealer Uh, but yeah he's my goat for the reasons I've I've announced he's my goat for this decade I want to say sort of uh, honourable mentions but let's be honest it's it's just it's just Messi and Cristiano this decade and yeah I guess an honourable mention to Modric for at one point at least for one year breaking that duopoly of the Ballon d'Or Uh, Honourable mentions to Iniesta and Neymar, again, amazing players. I personally think, you know, if they they existed as the same player in a lot of these other decades, they would have been in the mix, potentially. So yeah, I, I think it's a shame if they're forgotten just because of this insanely big and dark shadow that sort of Messi and Ronaldo cast over the rest of the world. The rest of these amazing, if not generational players, then just, yeah, just, Players deserving of more love, and you're now thinking, oh, don't you PC Messi, if you don't know what PC means personal collect, don't you PC Neymar and Iniesta, yeah I do, because because I think they are these amazing players, it's not vice, that's not the reason I'm talking about them. So yeah, that's my rundown, I'm going to leave it there. You're probably thinking, why have you not talked about any of the cards of these players, maybe they're rookie cards, All I say there is this would, you know, this is already 50 minutes long with all that thrown in. This would have been a three hour podcast. I think I'm definitely not that charismatic yet. I say yet. hopefully I'll get there one day, but I'm definitely not that good yet to keep people interested for a three hour podcast. So, yeah, that's why I've not talked about them. I'd say a great starting point if you want to find out about about their cards is just Google PSA pop report. First match that comes up, click on that. Type in the player you want, just the player's name, first name and surname, or if it's one of these pesky Brazilians, just their their one name. And yeah, it should come up in chronological order from oldest to newest. I, I assume that's the default setting for everyone else, not just mine. Just, yeah, just all their cards in existence at PSA. So yeah, maybe some of them won't be there, but I think it's a very good starting point. There's some crazy, old and incredible stuff that is there. So, yeah, odds are it'll be a pretty good sort of rundown of all their cards and stickers that exist. But yeah, thanks for listening, so my just just to summarize, 1950s Alfredo Di Stéfano is my goat, 1960s Pelé is my goat, 1970s Johan Cruyff is my goat, 1980s Diego Armando Maradona is my goat, 1990s the Brazilian Ronaldo Ronaldo, Luis Densario de Lima, whatever you want to call him. Fat Ronaldo with a PH. Please don't call him the other Ronaldo. Uh, R9, call him that. Seems a bit tacky or a bit marketing, but uh, 2000s, I went for Cristiano Ronaldo. 2010s, Lionel Messi. I like to think they're not the most controversial of choices, but again, let me know in the comments for this post. And yeah, hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you next time with a spoiler, a David Beckham Raven card special. Cheers, take it easy, happy Christmas and yeah, stay safe.